The feast day that we celebrate today is really in the grand scheme of things brand new in the life of the Catholic Church. It was instituted by Pope St. John Paul II. And many of us who are not in life teen uh, were alive when Pope St. John Paul II probably did this. And so this is really brand new that we are getting together as a church to celebrate the great feast in honor of Jesus's divine mercy. This is a feast for modern times. And this feast flows from the message of St. Faustina Kowalska, a religious sister who received many apparitions, many visions, if you will, from Jesus throughout her life in which she wrote her diary. And it is her diary, in her diary, that Jesus tells the world through her that he was going to prepare the world for a time of mercy. And St. John Paul II canonized this sister, St. Faustina Kowalska, the first saint canonized of the new millennium in the year 2000. And it was at his homily during her canonization mass that John Paul II referred to this prophecy from Jesus and said, the time of mercy which Jesus was using Faustina to prepare the world to enter into has begun. Just a couple of years ago, Pope Francis called an extraordinary jubilee year. And what was that year in honor of? God's divine mercy. And so, brothers and sisters, we would do well to recognize that we are living in a very privileged moment in human history. And this moment that we could rightly refer to as the time of mercy. And how the world needs to reflect on Jesus' great mercy A world that champions mercy, a world that champions love, but does it in a way that radically departs from what real mercy is and what it appears to be in the gospel that we just heard today. And so I want to pull three things from the gospel today that would give us a bit more of an understanding of what actually is meant by Jesus's mercy. His mercy offers a peace that the world does not know. Because the foundation of the peace that is offered from the mercy of God is not found in the things of this world. It is found only in him. And so at the beginning of the gospel today, we find our dear friends, the apostles, that are locked away, right? They've sealed themselves off from the world, and Jesus comes to them and stands in their midst. And this is Easter Sunday. And so, like, we're going to put on our thinking caps. Let's remember, these are the 12 guys that ran for the hills when Jesus most needed them. These are the guys that fell asleep when Jesus said, watch and pray. You think of somebody like St. Peter, Jesus has just appeared to him, has come through a locked door, is standing right in front of him. What do you think is going through St. Peter's mind? Literally, the last thing that we hear in the Gospels from St. Peter is, I do not know him, and he ran away swearing. That was when Jesus most needed him. Peter rejected him. And now Jesus, the crucified and risen Lord, is standing face to face in front of St. Peter. And thank God I am not God, because if I, as I was praying with this, if I put myself into Jesus' shoes, and I was going to stand with the 12 people who betrayed me, the 12 people who were indifferent to my suffering, who were not there, who were not shoulders to lean on or to cry on, if I was going to appear to them, I would look at them and I would say, where were you on Friday? But those were not Jesus' words. What were Jesus' words? Peace be with you. Brothers and sisters, we hear in Jesus' greeting to his apostles the truth that peace, true peace, only comes 
from a love that chooses not to count. It can be really easy in our world today to foster a quote-unquote love that keeps score, a love that counts the price of how much it gives, a love that kind of says, you know, once I hit this mark, I choose not to do this anymore. Brothers and sisters, that's not real love. And true peace is incapable of flowing from a mockery of love. And so Jesus stands in the midst of his 12 closest friends who betrayed him and were a complete and total mess. And he stands in front of them and says, peace be with you. Because he is not a God that counts. He is not a God that keeps score. He is a God that is real, unconditional love. And love does not do those things. And so we would be encouraged to call to mind, where are the places in my life that I tend to do this? Where are the relationships, the, the times in, in my life, in my family, that I tend to start keeping score? That I tend to count the price of my love? That I tend to have this, you know, tally after everything that my spouse does that ticks me off? Brothers and sisters, Jesus has come to offer us the gift of his peace. And that peace will never be found when we choose a love that keeps score. Second image for us in the gospel today is St. Thomas, good old St. Thomas. My, my middle name literally is named after St. Thomas. I am a famous doubter. I ran from my vocation to the priesthood. I have lived up to my friendship and devotion and closeness to St. Thomas the Apostle. St. Thomas is a famous skeptic. He is a famous contrarian and doubter. And if he was embraced by the culture in which we live today, what would the response have been to him? Right? The apostles come to him and they're like, can we tell you, like, he's risen. Jesus was here. It was amazing. Like, he conquered the grave. That's incredible. And Thomas's response is like, yeah, you know what? I don't really believe that stuff. If we were going to listen to our culture's understanding of mercy, we would look at St. Thomas and say, oh, okay, well, you know, who are we to impose that kind of belief and mentality on you? We'll just sit back here and let you go ahead and just live in your insecure, uncreative, lack of understanding. That's not what Jesus did. And so Jesus comes the next week, and what is it that mercy himself does for the one who doubts, for the one who is skeptical? Mercy comes to him, and mercy says, hey, brother, you don't have to believe this, but it's true. Brothers and sisters, we live in a world that tells us that mercy ignores truth. That to be merciful towards someone is to just kind of like, you know, just stop thinking and let people live however they want to live. Sure, we absolutely respect the freedom of our brothers and sisters. No one is obligated to live their lives in what is true. But mercy goes to them nonetheless. And mercy accompanies them, challenges them, encourages them, meets them where they are and presents in a gentle, unconditional manner that Jesus truly is the Son of God. And the loudest way that we proclaim the truth of Jesus is not with our lips, it's with our very lives. And so how was it that Thomas was eventually convinced? What was it that converted Jesus? It wasn't Jesus giving him this amazing podcast to listen to. It wasn't Jesus saying, hey, read this book. What was it that converted St. Thomas in his skepticism? It was Jesus approaching him and saying, hey, here are my wounds. Do you know that you were loved? And do you know what I have done for you? And so we live in a culture that would tell us that true love, that true mercy keeps score. It does not. 
We live in a culture that tells us true mercy is indifferent to truth. It is not. And brothers and sisters, finally, we live in a culture that would seem to tell us that who you are is what you have suffered. That real mercy is looking at people and more or less basically refusing to acknowledge anything other than victimhood. We live in a culture where all of us get to be victims. All of us get to post all about how much we suffer all across social media. Really, it can be really tempting in the the world in which we live to define ourselves by our suffering, by what has been inflicted upon us, by what has yet to occur in our lives, by how wronged we have been. Was that what Jesus did in the gospel? No. Jesus approaches his friends. He stands in their midst and he says, peace be with you. And what is it that he shows them? He shows them his scars. Well, we might look at that and say, well, Jesus is showing his victimhood. Jesus is showing the signs of defeat and the suffering and all the wrong that was inflicted upon him. But there's so much more than that. Because Jesus is not a victim in this situation in the gospel. And Jesus' scars are not signs of suffering and defeat, brothers and sisters. Jesus' scars in this gospel are signs of victory. The victory of divine love. The victory of divine mercy. And there is no greater power in this world than the love of the Father for his children. And every single human being is a child of God who has the right to know that they are not their sin. They are not their brokenness. They are not their wound. They are not their own victimization. They are the sum of the Father's love for them. And there is no greater truth, there is no greater means by which we can live than in the humble confidence of a love that has conquered sin, of a love that has conquered death itself. And so, brothers and sisters, we would do well to allow this love to change everything about who we are and how we live. Because your father does not love you in a way that keeps score. God never looks at a child and says, well, man, you've done this 48,000 times and you've never once confessed it. Wow, man, lightning from heaven. No, that's not how our father works. God does not love in a way that keeps score. God also does not love in a way that says, oh, well, you know, well, we just, yeah, we won't prove anything. And no, the father is constantly working to bring us to a greater understanding of himself, to help us to recognize the reality of his love. And then when we are brought to our knees by life, in those moments, especially when we suffer, when it would seem that we have been defeated, your God draws near to you to offer you the power of what his son has done for you and for me. Brothers and sisters, when we touch the wounds of Jesus in our own suffering and brokenness, we do not stay broken. When we touch the wounds of Jesus in our own woundedness, we become freed healed and are able to be sent out as missionaries of mercy and how God the Father is looking for people in this day and age who are willing to be freed and healed to go out and free and heal his people. And so he tells his closest friends in the gospel today as he tells all of us, my peace I give you, not as the world gives it do I give it, I give it to you. Go, Those whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and those whose sins you retain are retained. Brothers and sisters, our God is sending us out from the upper room to go into a world that has desperate need for his mercy. 
And he sends us not to be high and mighty and pious and to beat people into submission. He sends us out to own our woundedness, to own our blindness, and to witness to the power of what he has done in our lives. It is said that hurt people hurt people and that wounded people wound people. But what we celebrate today is that healed people have the power from Jesus of Nazareth to heal people. And how our world needs healing. How our world needs the witness of Christians who choose to live in the freedom of the Father's love. And who choose to love their brothers and sisters not in a way that keeps score. Not in a way that rejects truth. But in a way that says you are worthy of knowing what your God has done for you.